Hey, hello, how are you? This is a show for everyone else. Instead of going after top 1% of the world, we dedicate this podcast to celebrate the lives of the unsung heroes and self-made artists. Hey, Face World Podcast listeners. As you're listening to this at the moment, I am still on the road traveling for my documentary shoot. This is the first time for me to ever attempt anything like it. I don't even feel all that comfortable in front of the camera. So for me, this is a wonderful growth for personal development, I guess. But uh, today I'm bringing you a very special episode because of a list of questions sent by an ELT MBAer. Uh, who actually did not attend Seth Godin's LTMBA with me. Her name is Kristen Huntley, and it's she's part of the alumni group. And she's starting her blog called kristenhuntley.com, and I became the one of the first people that she interviewed, and I feel very humbled to do that. She sent me a bunch of questions, which I ended up recording an audio piece and sent it back to her for her to process and distill into a blog post of her choice. The blog post has been live, uh, created live on her website, but I just thought to myself, wow, you know, these are really great questions, and I haven't really had a chance to answer them live on my show. A lot of people in the past, in one way or the other, actually ask me about these questions. So here's your chance to get to know me a little bit better now, nearly four years into podcasting. Questions such as uh, how you began your journey as an entrepreneur, how has podcasting changed since you started, which is a great question. And, uh, and why do you think it's such an important medium? What is the best advice you've ever received? What are some of the upcoming projects you're excited about? And so forth and so on. So uh, that's it. Really, please enjoy my answers to the 10-ish or so questions in details. And I also welcome you to check out Kristen's website. The link is directly uh, on your mobile app where you're listening to the show right now. If you flip over to information, you should see it there. FaceWorld is a homegrown boutique podcast. Every listener counts. I do not see you as a download, as a number. And you're my friend, and thank you for being here. So to start off, your first question, how did you get started? Um, I think I, I've recently written that story, and that is my origin story. A lot of people don't know this, um, still don't know this. I don't assume people will automatically travel to my About page, and uh, the About Face section is relatively new. So, uh, But I think it's part of my own brand, who I am, the fact that I am an immigrant from China, obviously I'm female, and uh, that combination out there I think really has you know helped me identify the right audience I'm connecting with and when I say that I don't mean that all my audience uh, are exclusively immigrants or female but I think that story somehow resonated with a lot of people and you know at the age of 17 coming to this country by myself as a high school student going to a regular school with many other international students from all around the world was a fascinating experience and because it was so long ago half a lifetime ago 
I felt awkward referencing it, but somehow that's what makes me and my brand different and memorable. That's how I got started here in the US. But in terms of podcasting, I guess, I feel like since I've turned 30, I've always wanted to share my voice in a different way. I want to be helpful. I wasn't quite sure if I could be a teacher. I've never really had teacher training, but I loved helping and teaching people how they can live their lives better. And part of my experience is sometimes uh, referenced as a point of strength and uh, overcome, you know, adversity and all that. So uh, it's very encouraging to me. So I started the show with not much in mind, not much structure at all. Things like, what will be the killer title? So I think Face World enabled me to really interview a lot of people. It's an excuse that I can open up the gate and uh, welcome the possibilities to connect with people from all walks of life. Maybe let's talk briefly about freelancing as well. How I got started in 2016, uh, you know, set up my own company, DIY my LLC, and all that was a result of a desire I've had since uh, I was in my mid-20s. One of the reasons I couldn't start freelancing a lot sooner was because I needed a green card. So legally, I couldn't start working for anybody else but a company I was employed with. So when it came January 2016, I had a few clients under my belt, not too many, and I had some of the service offerings I thought I could thrive in, including project management, which I was one for over a decade. And I also had a lot of skills in digital marketing in general and web design. So that's how I got started. Next question, what hurdles did you personally face in starting your own company and how did you overcome them? Uh, anything practical such as funding or more personal? So to me, the good news is it wasn't related to funding. I wanna just touch upon that real quickly. In conversations with people of many ages lately, my age, younger, or in some cases older, uh, there are two gentlemen that I regularly meet up with and have breakfast with and uh, every week. So, you know, they talk about the fact that they didn't start investing their own money into 401k when they're in their early 20s, instead uh, in their 40s. So. For me, I start putting tiny little bit of money away every paycheck. I don't know exact amount, two to $300 since I was 22. And to be honest, that is the number one recommendation I would give to anybody. That amount of money will not kill you. You're not gonna miss out on it. And it feels so insignificant. It feels really ridiculous when I was younger, at least, to think how it's going to make any difference. And it did. So it did build that cushion for me when I started freelancing. And I had um, more than six months of saving, uh, actually well over a year of my own personal expenses saved up. So the hurdle I did have to go through, I think it's really going against traditions, uh, which is not a financial issue. A lot of people in my family and, and truly who are right here in the U.S., friends, new friends I've made since I moved here at a young age, most people still had their full-time jobs. And when I was leaving, 
in advertising, you would think it's a place where most people have, they all have side gigs. Most people who work full time are also designers or, uh, you know, copywriters on the side and they work nights and weekends. But even they thought, most of them thought it was a high risk decision. So as much as I try not to let that affect me, it was there. And I think people had good reasons. And some people said, hey, you can always come back. So that was sort of in the back of my head. But until I really start started working as a freelancer, there was absolutely no turning back. And I absolutely fell in love with it. Yeah. So that, that has been going on really well. But like you said, starting your own company, starting out doing anything can be daunting. The third question, how has podcasting changed since you started? Why do you think it's such an important medium? Part one of the question is, an incredibly important question. Some people don't know that. They spend years, literally months and sometimes years, brainstorming their podcast. And in the middle of all that, they are changing, their ideas are changing, and yet nothing is shipped or on paper. So for us, I have absolutely noticed how much my podcast and myself have changed over the past four years. Significantly, uh, the type of, the fact that I went from full-time to freelance And uh, freelancing helps you really excel your mind and your business skills to a degree that you feel like things are changing every month and at least every quarter. Recently on faceworld.com, F-E-I-S-W-R-L-D.com, we have now created a new, not just new, a new whole new section to talk about how one how a new listener or an existing listener will go about consuming now more than 160 episodes we have launched. So there are six categories we're pretty proud of, and the six categories are have fun at your job, build a tribe, reflections and transitions, uh, ideas that spread, and the fifth is uh, live your art, and the sixth is pay forward. Now, the clarification here is some parts of that reflects my own journey, right? Going from full-time to freelance, uh, building a tribe from zero to uh, the amount of listeners and readers we have today. And then in the middle of all that, there's reflections and transitions, asking myself, am I doing the right things or not? Creating ideas that spread and really be involved in community services. So roughly that's what we have transitioned into. And we have high hope for this new approach. And I'm very curious to see how it plays out. And also not to mention, I said my podcast changed, I changed, and also our listeners are changing. You know, four years isn't a huge amount of time, but people, depending on where they are in their career and their own lives, the listeners are also changing themselves. And guess what? The guests that I've interviewed are changing. The people, for example, who belong to the have fun at your job category when I started as colleagues who worked full time, just like I was, many, many of them are freelancers now which is really interesting. So, okay, part two of this question. Why do you think this is such an important medium? A podcast is can enable really uh, enable long-form content. So an hour of recording is about anywhere between 7,000 to 9,000 words, depending on how fast you speak. And that is an incredible medium. Not to mention you can get get transcript and have really long blog posts. And you build very much deepened relationship with yourself as well as with your guests, right? You start listening a lot more actively and 
you know, you talk to your guests in a way that it simply doesn't happen anymore. Think about the last time you received a phone call or you called someone from your phone. Rarely. You go to restaurants or wherever. You'll notice that is the commonality today. And the fact that you can talk to people, and in many cases for us as podcasters, we see them on screen, sometimes many times in person, which is fantastic. But if I cannot be in person with people who live in Sweden or people who live in California even, because I'm based in Boston, then Skype and Zoom play a huge part. I can see them, I can hear their voices, it's fantastic. And once you record the podcast, you put on a server for us, we use Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. And uh, over the years, Lipson matured too and went from, okay, we'll share with a few other platforms um, to today. You push the episode live, it goes everywhere. SoundCloud, the Player FM, uh, Google Player, I mean, you name it. So you do it once and your voices travel uh, very far. Lastly, it gives you a chance to speak your mind, which is very different in many ways to me, at least very different than writing. Because when you turn on the mic at the beginning, you feel uncomfortable, but very quickly you learn that what you don't want to sound like is that you're scripted, that you're telling a story by reading something like what I'm not doing right now. And writing, you know, everybody has heard of the writer's block. I think once you try to put words on paper and you're sitting in front of a computer, that whole posture reminds you of work and it has to be good. And uh, what if people judge you? That doesn't go away when you speak, but somehow you're forced into uh, this space where you have to be a little more of yourself. There's kind of no other way for you to be. Next question, what is the single best piece of advice anyone has given you in regard to owning your own business? Um, so the single piece of uh, advice I love, which is tailored to me, is embrace the downtime. What I mean by that is as a freelancer, as an entrepreneur, at the beginning or, or as your business starts to mature, you will notice that there's some downtime, as in you're not getting booked as much. You're not working for your clients like crazy. There's actually some buffer time. At the beginning, for some people, um, I agree, especially for people with family and, you know, and kids, it feels daunting, it feels really scary, but you can truly embrace it. You can learn more things you always wanted to learn outside, inside and outside of your domain. You can read a lot more and reading is extremely important. That's something we kind of, many of us has, uh, have lost touch with. And also finally self-care, whether it's a massage, whether it's a Zuma class you want to go to, whatever it may be, go. You know, you can actually be more productive, clear your mind, take care of yourself better and do better business. Right now, what I'm doing is I create downtime on purpose. Um, I don't want to be working for clients from 8.30 in the morning until 6 p.m. with no workout and have to uh, you know, eat lunch on my desk, which is why I walked away from full-time, right? So embrace the downtime, create some space for yourself. Next question, what upcoming project are you most excited about? You would love to hear about the documentary. Yeah, so the documentary is the most, so far, the most exciting and also the most daunting project. It's absolutely tiring me out. And we've been planning for this. At the, the very beginning of the conversation started in February, and we started talking about funding and how to actually make it happen in March. 
And me, my two producers, producer and, and director, Dan and Ed, got together in the same room for two days straight. Uh, we did a lot of work outside of lunch and dinner, and um, we're able to create a whole structure for the documentary. And uh, I guess for, for people who are interested in learning more, and there is a one-pager that I've done so far, and kind of just give you a general idea of what it's about. It's on phaseworld.com and forward slash documentary. Documentary is also in the top navigation, so it should be pretty easy to find. And so far we have secured a lot of really incredible guests, some of, uh, including Seth Godin, Dory Clark, Sarah Cooper, my producer Herman, and Basila Bukoko, Mick Ebling, who's an inventor, and last but not least, Bear Alexander, and uh, who's the founder of ABI. And really briefly, Phase World Documentary is an intimate look inside the lives of a diverse group of incredible people through conversations with Fei Wu. Having come to America from China as a teenager, Fei has carved out a life as a successful entrepreneur and mentor. These conversations serve to highlight both shared and contrasting struggles, successes with these people she meets. The content will be released as short form episodes, webisodes, about anywhere between 10 to 12 minutes each. And uh, when we're currently in pre-production, our shoot will begin on September, the first week of September and wrap up uh, towards September 20th or so. Um, the two places, or three places we'll be traveling to are uh, Vegas. Then we're heading over to LA to go to the Not Impossible Labs led by Mick Ebeling and see all the crazy inventions that he's working on to save the world. And uh, finally, we're going to New York for about uh, a week or so, a week and a half, uh, where Seth Godin is and Basila, a lot of the guests are there, as you can imagine. And uh, we might make a turnaround to come back to Boston for one or two more guests. We're not sure right now, but at a high level, that's, that's what this is about. And why this excites me is because when I look at Netflix and Hulu and all these major media channels, and what's missing are not only Asian films, meaning films about topics of Asian people or things happening in Asia. What I also notice is just the subjects of what the film's about, whether US or elsewhere, have very little focus on um, Asian people. And uh, needless to say that the Asian filmmakers, producers are even less. So I think we are responsible for this. If we have a story we want to share, we should find a way to share it. What are the most important lessons your work life has taught you so far? Simple, nine to five really isn't the only answer to a fulfilling and successful career. You can define what it needs to be. And that is my daily life. To give you a snippet into how I live my life, I wake up fairly late because I, I currently have a bad habit of going to sleep late as well. I usually go to sleep around 11.30 midnight and I don't fall asleep immediately. I tend to lie in bed to start to meditate and uh, I love listening, using the app called Unsplash. And I wake up usually around, sometimes around 8.30 or so and um, make myself breakfast, which is nice rather than rushing out on an empty stomach with coffee. And I make my favorite breakfast, and, and for the most part, I try to keep it really quick, uh, whether it's a smoothie, a couple of eggs. And uh, I sometimes go work out in the late morning, around noontime. 
And I usually, again, either find a really healthy, delicious lunch I make or purchase nearby the gym. And then I come home, I work. Uh, I definitely put in a couple of hours of work in the morning, a few more hours of work in the afternoon. And my day usually ends around 4.30 to 5. And uh, if I don't work out earlier during the day, I sure will be hitting the gym around 5, 5.30. And uh, usually by the time I get back and with dinner and everything, it's uh, around 8 o'clock. Um, I know some people don't agree with this, but I do like to work sometimes an hour or two hours uh, at night from eight to 10. I know that for some people this doesn't work, uh, interrupts with their sleep. Sometimes it doesn't do wonders for me either, but I find myself to be so productive in a quiet environment and just be so inspired. So I like to leverage that. Plus it's quiet as a podcaster. It's really easy for me to record um, intros, transitions, sound bites, that sort of things. Who has the biggest influence on your life? What lessons did that person teach you? Man, um, I hate to give all the credits to Seth Godin. It truly, he truly has influenced my life to so many different levels. And uh, people who are familiar with him, it's, <laughs> there are many, many lessons that we learn over the years. He's been writing for the past 20 years. Many more before that delivered wisdom through PDFs and printed PDFs and actual email letters, which I wasn't part of. But recent years, if I were to summarize, a lot of what I do for podcasting and also for all my clients are to embrace the emotional labor. It sounds crazy, but that is what makes a true difference. Um, next question, what are you proudest of, work or personal? I'm really proud these days that I'm able to help my family and my friends when they need me without, without me asking a manager for their permission to leave work or to rearrange 13 different things. I'm able just to be there for them. I've been able to record podcast interviews uh, mostly whenever I want, go do things with my friends, invite them to the gym, go dance with me. Um, I've also accompanied my friends through the hospital when they feel like they have a scary diagnosis. So a whole spectrum of things, that's what I'm most proud of. Next question, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? <laughs> I, I think I have a couple of them, uh, one I just thought of. I really, really like ice cream. I guess, I guess as, as I get older, I'm a huge fan of gelato in general, and I've never thought about this before until a moment ago that I would love to learn more about how gelato is made and maybe make some of my own signature gelato. But for this moment, I wrote down fashion designer and fashion designer. I have this love and hate relationship, but I absolutely love clothes. And I try very hard to be a minimalist in recent years. I try to get rid of so much of my stuff and give away things. But there's something about shopping for the items I love to give me so much satisfaction. And they're not, they need not to be expensive. And I don't particularly like malls in general to go into one brand. I love frugal shopping. I love going into an unknown space, going to boutiques and just get lost in it and surprise me and seeing things that are just a little bit funky, not a little bit, a little bit, a lot funky. I love that. And I love wearing them too. Next question, what is something about you? I'll never guess until you told me. So current favorite, I never thought I could really dance, but 
since May 2018, I started dancing almost every single day. I go to Lifetime and enjoy several classes, and they call it a dance jam, which is a combination of Zumba and hip hop and everything in between. And there, I also enjoy regular Zumba classes. And it's amazing. I feel like I, I can't even be good at it one day. And I'm getting better every single day. And it's so much fun. And it, it helps me connect me with my work and my sanity. And uh, yeah, it's just amazing all around. I don't think many people know that about me. Let's see. Uh, second to last question. What has been the kindest? Who has been the kindest to you in your life? How did that kindness impact you? So I almost felt like I need to change the question a little bit because obviously my mom comes to mind, who's an incredible artist. I think a lot of people are going to name one of their parents or both of their parents. But outside of that, I think several people who have significant impact in my life uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship, freelancing are you know my business and life partner, Adam, who's always been supporting me. It, you know, there's a lot of emotional support who really always believed in uh, what I can do. And he was super supportive and had more confidence in me that I'm going to be a successful freelancer. And, uh, you know, he's very excited about podcasting. We co-hosted several episodes together, but the fact that you have someone to share this part of your life with and somebody who is almost, in some cases, even more excited than you are, it's truly incredible. And uh, I also want to give a shout out to uh, Herman, my audio producer, who has been with me for more than two years, who discovered, who made this podcast so much better than I could ever, and who's so in sync with me and who's so um, selfless and so incredibly talented on top of all of that. I don't think the podcast would exist today without him and it wouldn't be where it is today. Um, Two other people related to my podcast I mentioned earlier, Dan Cooper and uh, Ed Gregory, both talented blue men at some point in their lives. And uh, they have really helped me untangle what I'm trying to do for the, sh- for the documentary. Help me wrangle the guests. You know, I don't have the world's biggest budget. I'm very conscious of making sure to compensate the people who help me and who are part of the journey. Absolutely, I don't want anybody to work for free. And uh, meanwhile, they have devoted themselves, their lives to really support me. As I'm saying this, I notice like there are, and also I want to give a shout out to my social media manager, Rose, who's based in the Philippines. And she's been incredible. Just a type of woman that I love talking about and working with, who's not afraid to be wrong and just give a shot to new things and, and help us move our brand forward. You know, making mistakes and fail quickly and let's get up and do it again. So I love that. Final favorite quote, I think I mentioned something what Seth Godin taught us, but in a summary, I love the gold coin that I got, which is uh, embrace emotional labor, dance with fear. I think we're constantly going through transitions and reflections and um, with the current you know, political climate and, and a lot of people are living in fear, actual fear for one reason or the other. And, and politics isn't something I talk about at all on my podcast. Um, But I hope that quote will help people bounce back and be more resilient and love what they do and love their life. So thanks so much.